And I got to see this woman totally in different eyes. And mom was not defensive. Mom was not also protecting her dementia or protecting that she was forgetting things. She didn't have to make up any, any, any kind of frustration. And at the same time, which was a huge surprise, I dropped, dropped my own rebelliousness. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and creative guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager, and I love to hear from my listeners. My new website, ZestfulAging.com, is up and running, and it makes it easy for you to leave comments or suggestions. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker from her CD, Buffalo Hotel, and it will be available in January of 2020. Judy Banker is also a guest, so you can hear my interview with her on the podcast. Well, I've got my Jack Russell Sparky right by my side, so let's begin. Today, we're speaking with the artist Suska, and she's best known as the principal stage designer for the Monterey Jazz Festival for over 25 years and San Diego's Comic-Con painter since 2015. But things changed when her mother was diagnosed with progressive dementia. Suska had to leave her art studio in California and move to Chicago, where her mom was living, and this had all of the markings of a disaster. Disaster, but Suska's experience was quite different than most. She dropped her own past and lived in her mother's memoryless world. Uh, and Suska, out of this experience, she wrote Wonders in Dementia and Dementia Land, excuse me, the other side of dementia no one is talking about. Welcome to the show, Suska. Well, thank you very much. So I'm so excited to have you here because we are all aware of the toll that uh, cognitive decline takes on our loved ones. And we've done many, many episodes about the grief and the loss. And you are coming to this experience with such a radically different perspective. Can you talk a little bit about your story and how this evolved? Well, as you said, I was a painter in Chicago. I had the most wonderful kind of life. I still do. I always do. But when my mom had dementia and I had to leave my studio and go and take care of her, I remember so much standing outside the house before I'd have to open the door and walk in. And I made a conscious decision that I was going to drop my past. That meant that I was going to walk in there not as a middle child daughter, (laughs) And I was not going to walk into a house where my mother lived. I was going to meet this person like for the first time. I actually shut up and just lived in the very moment. I kind of dropped my ego, you might say. And and 
When was that decision made? I, I'm just really curious about how you decided to do this so differently. When? How did that evolve for you? Well, like I says, I it, the decision was made that very day when I walked in the house, and I think it's because we all have certain issues. We all expect someone to be a certain way, and I knew throughout the year that Mom was just acting different. So I decided instead of walking in there like thinking she's acting different. I would walk in there to meet this new person. And I remember walking in the door and it's like I felt 10 pounds lighter. I was meeting, I was just going to walk into her world. Mm-hmm. It's so fascinating to me because <laughs> as a psychotherapist, I hear so many stories of when adult children go back to their families for the holidays and they say I feel like I was in third grade again I'm triggered they're saying the same insensitive things I'm turning into a 12 year old I find myself pouting and stop you know like what happens I get sucked right back into the past dynamics how were you able to come to this with fresh eyes I think it's um you know we walk around the world with baggage it's amazing when you drop everything. And what you're really dropping is your ego. Maybe it's a little bit of California. You know, California offers courses around here where you literally live in the moment. Well, that mm. is exactly what dementia is. You're living in the very moment. And mm-hmm. I got to see this woman totally in different eyes. And at the same time, which was amazing, she not only relaxed a little, I think something about that dementia thing, when you go up, you know, how things turn out is what you bring to the plate, how the game goes. And mom was not defensive. Mom was not also protecting her dementia or protecting that she was forgetting things. She didn't have to make up any, any, any kind oh. of frustration. And at the same time, which was a huge surprise, I dropped, dropped my own rebelliousness. I dropped, I was not defensive anymore with what she might say or what she might think. So I became, I wasn't the daughter that I thought I was supposed to be. And I thought that was kind of, that was kind of a revelation for me. Oh, oh my goodness. So as you're taking care of your mom in this totally new way, are you journaling about it? Are you reflecting on it? I mean, as you say, you were having these revelations. Did you think that maybe it would become a book? Or how, how did you process that? I didn't know that, but I knew, but I did keep on writing. I guess because I'm an artist, I'm a painter, and, you know, I couldn't bring my paints into my mom's house, that's for sure, and I couldn't start doing that. So I thought, well, I would write and I would write things about, I I was so amazed from day one that I just started writing on everything, paper napkins. And, and I just kept on putting all my notes in a box. And every day was like, I just felt freer. I felt, yeah, I felt freer. It was just amazing. Could you give us an example of an interaction that you had with your mom in the moment? That elicited this this freedom you're describing. Well, I think one of the things that I like to talk about always is I remember having someone come to the house and we were laughing or carrying on or talking or whatever it was, but mom was in a good mood and she was sitting in her, a wheelchair at that time. Someone came to visit and they walked in and they went 
almost down in their knees or squatted and was starting to talk to Violet like if she was an invalid. And I noticed that as she's talking to mom, my mother's shoulders kind of caved in a little and she hunched over a little bit. She started, she was responding to the person who was talking to her, you know, and the person kept on saying, do you know who I am? We're all praying for you, uh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when you do that, you're trying to bring somebody back to the, you're trying to ask, you're giving them a test on memory. I mean, this is a disease or whatever you want to call it that affects memory. So why put them through that pressure? Mm -hmm. And so I noticed, so what I did to kind of counteract that, I went and got these large balloons and these balloons were about three feet round. And I brought, put these balloons from the front door, scattered them about, and they were all helium balloons, to where my mom was sitting. And there was SpongeBob and the Cookie Monster <laughs> and all these characters. So when people walked in, first of all, they had to look up to look at the face of the balloon. So as they're walking, going from balloon to balloon to balloon, by the time they got to mom, they already had an air of living in the moment. They already were fascinated, and they walked in with a smile. The whole room changed. Mom changed. They changed everything. And that's when I did that, and that's when I noticed, oh, my God, you know, how you treat people, and, and, and if you can just live in the moment, live in that very second, or just drop what you think dementia mm -hmm. should be, mm -hmm. or what you're trying to make dementia to be, I should say. You know, you're trying to make dementia a test, mm -hmm. a constant where you're asking them, and you want them to come back. Come back to what? You're just, they're there. They're there right in front of you. What, you're upset because they don't remember something, or they don't remember? I love the question people would say, does she know who you were? I said, of course she knows who I was. She might not know that I'm her middle daughter, Mm -hmm. or that she's the mother and I'm the daughter, but she knew exactly who I was. In fact, she knew who I was more than I knew who I was. What does that mean? That means sometimes I would, I remember just sitting there, especially when she wasn't talking too much, and we're staring at each other. Well, I called it staring, but we were looking into each other. I couldn't, I had to stop looking at her or turn away because she I know this sounds bizarre but she was almost going she was almost looking at a woman that I hardly knew myself it was just it was fascinating I think that she just knew too much she just knew she knew she went so deep into me that it was scary mm. and what you're saying is what made that is you're talking about intimacy, right? A deep knowing. You know, we hardly know ourselves. We learn a little bit about ourselves every day. You know, everybody's gone through that where you go, God, am I surprised I reacted that way? That's pretty good. I mean, I, I, I did that quite well. <laughs> and we're growing and, and we grow every day. And it's like she saw everything. She saw beyond like, I think I, one of my chapters in the book is, or one of the things on my pod, podcast is, I, I believe she had superpowers. And I seriously do believe she had superpowers. And you, and you see that as part of developing dementia, that there was a way that it felt like an uh, enlightenment. Well, you know, when you think about it, 
Can you imagine what it would be like if we dropped our past? And that means we'd have to drop all of our opinions. We'd be dropping baggage. We'd be dropping prejudices. And we all have certain prejudices mm -hmm. about something mm -hmm. or another. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's like, that's like looking at a, a forest and taking the trees down and seeing how far you can look. I mean, it just opens up everything. Because we have those things. I, I, everybody must know that sometimes I'll go someplace, but I have such an idea of what the place is that I actually missed where I'm standing. Mm -hmm. And you don't have any of that anymore. You're talking, it's kind of cool. You're talking, I think, about what the Buddhists would call beginner's mind. I think so. So what are the kinds of conversations that you might have with your mom as she was in this state of uh, newness? I think the scariest part, and I've never talked about this, is um, I also, um, in the midst of this, um, met a man that I fell in love with, which, yeah, I never talked about it even in the book. And I remember telling, and he wanted me to marry him. And I asked mom um, what she thought. And she loved him, but she said no. And I mean, she said no so strongly. I went, what the hell, where's that coming from? Mm -hmm. Well, as it turned out, shortly after my mom passed away, he passed away. Mm -hmm. It's like she saw that. And she saw the grief and the pain that that took. So she saw things, you know, it's just, ah, there's something about, there's something about her. And her laugh was different. Her, everything about her was just different. It was freer. It was absolutely freer. I think she absolutely, totally enjoyed the last four years of her life. Uh-huh. And what was it like uh, with your siblings? Were, did they have a similar experience or did they have a different you know, experience. I think not. And I think it's only because I see things different. I've always seen things different all my life. You know, I think you have a choice. Well, I always felt like I would have a choice. Some people would say, you're pretty naive, or you live in the clouds, or you're this. No, I'm not. Um, it's just I have a choice. Am I going to go ahead and let this thing eat away at me, or am I, am I going to look at it based on everybody's opinion of a situation. Because even when you mention the word dementia, and, and everybody's got this definition for it, mm -hmm. and it's not nice. It's, mm -hmm. you know, they say that you lose your identity. I, I don't think you lose your identity at all. As a matter of fact, I think you kind of firm up more than anything or clarify more who you are than anything. Now, I know my mother's dementia is different than other people's. But by the same token, I think I helped... I helped it along to make it easier and to make her freer and less painful than, than if I would have tested her all the time or wanted her to be, wanted everything to be the way it was. It's so not the way it was. You giving her this gift of being where she was. And in turn, it sounds like it became a gift for you. It was more of a gift for me. <laughs> <laughs> because I learned, and it's so funny because I was, I just loved at that time living with my mom. But when she passed away and I started to pack my bags, 
I realized that I not only was packing my bags of my clothes and everything, I was packing all the other baggage or armor that I had to wear to go out in the world. We have a certain amount of armor we must wear, but maybe we don't have to wear all of it. And um, mm -hmm. it, it was amazing because, as I, like I said, as when I was leaving, I just felt heavier again. Interesting. Coming Very back interesting. into the world that doesn't relate in this manner. In a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. I'm still, though, I have to admit, I still carry a little bit of it with me because um, I am that way a little bit. Mm -hmm. I love that freedom. I love that freedom. Hey, Zestfilagers. Last year, I attended the International Federation on Aging's Global Conference in Toronto, and they've announced the 15th Global Conference on Aging for Niagara Falls, Ontario, from November 1st through 3rd, 2020. Zestful Aging Podcast is a proud partner for this conference, and I encourage you to all consider attending. The conference features prominent experts presenting and discussing critical issues within the field of aging. So head on over to ifa2020.org to learn more, and I hope to see you in Niagara Falls in November. How did the experience of living in your mom's memoryless world affect your artwork? I, I think it was the writing that, that really took over more than anything else. Because as I'm looking at all my notes and decided, well, I should put this in some kind of order. I, I, I kind of went from painting to writing back and forth. As a matter of fact, some of my paintings, I literally started doing this like scat writing. Um, on top of a canvas. Some paintings I had where I, I gessoed all of them a white and then started writing this scat writing. They're very, very cool. I really should exhibit them, um, and I probably will eventually. Um, but I think it's the writing that took over more than anything else. I couldn't believe what was coming out of me. Sometimes I would write for hours. I wrote at this coffee shop every day for about a year. And I remember coming back, and some days I'd, I'd read it and go, "Oh my God, this is so. This is like a. This is like cadmium red. This is like burnt <laughs> yellow. This is like. Oh, this is colors. like all my colors. So really, my words became my new palette. So they're mm -hmm. kind of when you ask about how was my painting, well, I guess I just they kind of all mesh in together. Mm-hmm. They're all together. Oh, wow. Wow. So tell tell the story about how this came to be. I know that you finally got your notes together, you wrote this book, and then talk a little bit about what happened after that. Well, um, also, which I haven't talked about to many people at all, I think I mentioned it to you, but after I came home, um, I, I was kind of, I got sick. I ended up getting breast cancer. Mm. And um, I, I was, it, it was like fourth stage. It was pretty bad. So I, they loaded me up with um, chemo. And in loading me up with chemo, I was just like scattered. I couldn't even figure out how to write a check. I couldn't figure out how to live in my warehouse. I couldn't figure out, and I certainly was too weak to even lift my paints and my canvases. 
And I would paint using gallons of paints and, and my paintings were like, you know, eight feet by six feet. They were just gorgeous. They were huge. And mm -hmm. I just couldn't do it anymore. So that's when I went, well, let's, I went and bought an iPad and I started taking all my notes and started writing stories. And I thought, okay, well, I did end up selling the warehouse and I did end up moving to San Diego where my sister lives. I see. So about the first year, maybe I kind of slept more than I did anything else. But the second, but then I started going to um, Starbucks, as a matter of fact, every single morning. And that's because everybody was giving me Starbucks cards. But I would go there every <laughs> single morning and I would write. And I'd sit there from 7 o'clock to noon and I'd write. Now, some days I wrote a sentence, other days I, I wrote a lot. And so I did that for a year until it became a book. But it also was, God, it was the only thing I could do because I was, I was really kind of too weak to, mm -hmm. to do what I love to do. I didn't realize how much strength you need when you're, when you're a painter because there's so much moving yeah, around and schlepping and right. lifting and everything. That's right. So I did it and it became a book. And I, I didn't realize how, how it kind of all overlaps. You know, the, the paint became, the words became my new palette, my mm. new paint. So, and, um, so I loved it. So I finished the book and, um, I self published. And then I, a friend told me, you know what? Let's go to the American film market. And I, he says, there's a section that's book to movie. And I went, okay. Mm. <laughs> so I went and looked it up online and mm -hmm. I went, oh my God, there is a, there is a day that's a book to movie day. And if you want to make a presentation, you send this video. Mm -hmm. So I did this little video inside my studio and it, it was just kind of amateurish, but I had two minute video that I had to send in and a lot of people sent in their videos and they would select a few to present in front of everyone. They selected mine, which I could not, could not believe. So I actually gave my idea for the book going into a movie in front of like 800 producers and directors in Santa Monica, American Film Market. At the end of it, I had three producers that came and talked to me. One was a German producer, and I just love this guy. He said, um, this man, he said, let me have your book and we'll meet tomorrow morning. So the next morning I went to meet with him and he had my book and he had, he had post-its and, and mm. scraps of paper tucked in every single corner. I mean, the book looked, the book looked like it was almost edited, but oh. he said, I loved it. I absolutely oh. loved it. He read it that night, that all night. Yeah. I guess from what I hear, he kind of stayed in the lobby and they saw him and he cried in parts and <gasps> laughed oh. in other parts. Oh, wow. And he is perfect. So he said, you know, he wants to make it a movie, but he says, I had to come to Berlin at least a couple of times to help with the script. So I've been already to Berlin twice now. We applied for one grant from the German government and got it. We're applying for another grant and hopefully we'll get that. And that's going, and we're going to be building a trailer for the movie within next year. Oh my I'm goodness. I'm thrilled because I love this man. He loves the story. It's not going to be, and I love him telling me right away, it's not going to be a blockbuster movie. <laughs> So we're not going to go... be pay played by Angelina Jolie. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
know, I could be played by her, but it's not going to have a love affair and uh, a shooting and a shooting <laughs> and a car chase and a car chase. <laughs> so those parts will be left out. But I, I loved it, and even in writing, he really didn't miss too much from the book. So it's going to be, it's going to be. I'm, I'm thrilled. Oh my goodness! And what is it about Germany that that you think? is more uh, open to these kinds of stories. First of all, I don't, well, first of all, um, dementia is worldwide. It's, mm-hmm. it's everywhere. I get more responses and questions from people in Australia and people in England and people in Germany. I mean, it, it's, it's something that just deals with everyone. There's yes. no borders in this at all. And I think the other thing is, it's just his his particular interest. He really is is very much interested. And Germany, I guess, is quite open to new films and and, and uh, more progressive. Perhaps. I think they are. Mm-hmm. I think they are. But like I said, it's um, it's this particular man, and he just loved it. He oh just loved it, goodness. and we get along really well, and we think in the same in the same vein. And it, it's I think it's going to be quite a movie. Wow, what an, a fascinating story. Well, I'm, I'm, it's a story that just needs to be told. There's just, uh, it just needs to be told. There is another way of looking at this dementia. And in many instances, it's a gift. It's mm-hmm. a gift we're given, and we have a choice. Are we gonna mm-hmm. just? Or are we gonna just say no, 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 no? I want to live in the past. I want the old. I don't want anything mm-hmm. new. This is really amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm wondering, have you had any pushback? People contacting you and say that's not at all how it was for me. Um, um of course. Even when I talk, um, matter of fact, I met a woman yesterday who said she's just having a difficult time, and it's her. It's with her husband, but she says, you know, I'm. It's. I'm not. I'm having a difficult time with myself. It's her way of thinking mm-hmm. and how she's got to switch her way of thinking. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm sure there's, and I have, like I said, I know that everybody's situation is different. I'm just talking about my mother's situation. I am mm-hmm. not an authority on this. I'm not an authority on dementia. But there still might be something, there still might be something there that we're missing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. some cases. And then pushing somebody into remembering who they are mm-hmm. or feeling sad because, oh, my God, my mom doesn't know I'm her daughter. Are you, I mean, this could be a gift. Oh, now she's going to look at you. Well, now she's going to look at you for who you are. Oh, my goodness. That's just so, as a therapist, that's just so fascinating in terms of getting rid of all of our projections and expectations. It's, and we all have them. Oh, of course. Even well, as free as I say I am, we all have them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm wondering if this philosophy and this practice of living in the moment also helped you through your breast cancer treatments, which are brutal. Um, you know, I this is I I kind of went back to my old personality, and, and my personality all my life has been okay. That's fine. Well, then you just go ahead and take care of it. I remember it's the nurse even or the doctor telling me I says, okay, this is fine. Listen, I got to do the Monterey Jazz Festival in two months. So <laughs> that's how long you got. Yeah. So <laughs> go in there, take the breasts off, scoop up another extra layer of skin just mm-hmm. in case, and then sew me up and let's go. 
Oh, wow. And that's, I just have always been that way. I don't have time. I don't, I don't want to live there. I don't want to live in the poor me. And, and I'm even horrible now when people say, oh, you want to walk for cancer with it. No, I don't want to walk. I don't even want to think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Take care of it. Like I said, but this is my personality. Mm -hmm. Take care of it. That's fine. I'm not complaining or anything. And, right. um, I got things on. to do and let's, I'll scratch that off my list. <laughs> <clears throat> It was difficult. I'm not saying it was really, it was really hard. But it's even at that time I went, I'm, now that I come to think about it, I probably was thinking going, okay, I can't paint. Well, then let's write. Let's write. Oh, I got all these notes about dementia. Let's take care of this. Then. It reminds me of Matisse when he was in his bed and he painted on the ceiling and the walls. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. So, Suska, can you talk to my audience a little bit about, you know, some ideas about how they might be with their loved ones? What would be some little suggestions you might have to turn this or to, to shift this a little bit? It's such a, I guess, probably... Probably, first of all, you could get my book. That's wonderful, yes, called Wonders we're talk and Dementia. About that in a second. <laughs> because yes. I do take gifts, show different things that I do. I, I it, it's such a conscious, conscious decision. Okay. If you go into, and I remember even saying and thinking, I think I'm going to go into her world, Dementia Land, because I always mm -hmm. know I can find my way back. Okay. And if you just drop everything you know because you really are dropping your ego that's all this is even identity is kind of an ego mm -hmm. so if you kind of just walk in there and just and probably for me it was let's first be quiet and mm -hmm. just look yeah be quiet is is a great first step <laughs> and see what's there yeah and just look it's just it, it's it's quite amazing. It's so it's so interesting and I think really shows a whole other side to being in a relationship with someone with cognitive decline that not to say it was, you know, a walk in the park, but it's really so much about what you bring to it and what you expect. See, and it's still I I do not consider it a decline. Mm, okay, okay. I just don't. I just thought of it as, oh my God. Now, my mom was kind of a bossy little old lady and all, all our lives. You know, my mom used to say, you know, when I say the moon is purple, the moon is purple. And oh God. Mm. So, so this was kind of nice to know that this to me wasn't a decline as she was dropping her bossiness. <laughs> Her she was improving in some her, ways. Her, she's right. And oh. she even looked at me like if she was interested in what I was saying. It was like bizarre. It was like absolutely bizarre. Uh -huh. And I didn't then right away try and push her to, because I think we subconsciously do that, is when they do this, we kind of say, we kind of are saying, Hey, I don't want you to be this way. I want you to be my mother. Remember, remember you're my mother. Don't forget you're my mother. Well, mm -hmm. if you drop a little bit of that, you might be surprised who's going to come up. 
That's that's really interesting. So people can read your book and read all about this, and it's Welcome to Dementia Land, is that correct? No, it's Wonders in Dementia Land. Oh, Wonders in Dementia Land. And it also is a podcast uh-huh. called Dementia Land. Right now it's uh, on YouTube. Um and it's it's supposed to be an auto book, but you know I can't even do an auto book the way, I, <laughs> the way it's supposed to be done. So now I made it in short little episodes, okay. and it's gonna be it's gonna be the book plus more, and it's gonna be little stories, and they're in ten minute spots because I think people don't have more than ten minutes nowadays. They're so busy. So, so the you book can, the book is Wonders in Dementia Land and the podcast. How could they they go to YouTube and then what do they search? Dementia Land. Dementia Land. Yeah. Okay. I kind of own the word Dementia Land, so that anytime you put Dementia Land oh. anywhere, it should pop up. Okay, that's great. That's great. And then, can people follow some of uh, the developments here in uh, producing the film? Is that something you'll share with people as well? Um, there is also, I have a, well, I think I will be putting it on the YouTube channel more okay. than anything else. And there also is a Facebook, mm-hmm. um, that's, um, Dementia Land. Okay. So I'll be okay. putting news there. So, but I think I like this YouTube channel that I like the Dementia Land podcast the best. So I don't even know where that's going to go. That's just going to keep on growing. It sounds like there's all kinds of things that are growing out of this <laughs> yeah, uh, that I you am... did not anticipate. No, no, not mm. at all. So, Scott, thank you so much for being with us today and spending time and telling us about your really extraordinary experience with your mom and how you, you know, just a radical new way to be with her that has it's really um, been wonderful for for you and and it sounds like for her too. Well, thank you. Thank you, Nicole. I love talking about it. I love talking all the time. I talk everywhere uh, mm. about dementia. it's It's amazing how many people are affected by this. Mm-hmm. They are, how many people are living it or they're or their parents are living it or mm-hmm. so it's a conversation that's I I can't stop talking about mm-hmm. thank you so much thank you Nicole thank you so much for joining us on zestful aging if you like the podcast please share it with some of your friends I love to hear from my listeners send me an email at nicolechristina.com In this phase of our lives, we're more aware that our time is precious, and we certainly don't want to waste it taking care of stuff that we no longer need, left over from a life that we are no longer living. We know we would feel better with less clutter and more open space, but we don't know how to get there. If this sounds familiar, I'd love you to check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer, Carrie Luteran. This course is different than others you may have tried because we give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and tools to help you face the overwhelm and 
feelings that come up when you're going through your clutter. It's practical and realistic, and the lessons are short and punchy and very manageable, but it has the power to change your life. We all deserve to live in a peaceful home without the chaos of too much stuff. Find out more at NicoleChristina.com. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest. <music>